Well, my name is Sherry Smith. I am from Rochester and I live right near the George Eastman Museum, which is very nice. So I've always just been very excited about what happens here, although um, I'm not sure I really knew the extent of its international reputation. So after a career in television and radio for almost 30 years, I was laid off and looking for a new direction, a new career, and found the L. Jeffrey Selznick School of Film Preservation program online at the George Eastman Museum. That's what I knew I wanted to do. So I applied, started the following September. Now, after completing the year-long certificate program, I'm now a part-time projectionist here at the George Eastman Museum, and I also continue to do volunteer work. Fortunately, they let me stick around and inspect films with Deb Stoiber down in the moving image department, and I also work box office at the Dryden. So I am very excited to be and so grateful to be employed here and a part of what happens here, and I'm just so excited to be working in projection now. What is an average day for you look like? I also do film inspection for projection because that's a really key part of what projection is. The film has to be because we're dealing with older films, sometimes silent films, sometimes um, just films that aren't brand new, obviously. So we have to inspect them for the projectionist. And the information that we relay to the projectionist is really important so they can have a great show. So part of my day is comprised of film inspection, making sure the cue marks are in the right place in the film so the projectionist knows when to change to the other reel, checking the audio source, the aspect ratio, the condition of the print, making any repairs. So I do a lot of that. And then if I am doing projection that night, we start at 6 o'clock with a pre-focus. We want to make sure our aspect ratio is set right, our framing is correct, our volume levels are right, that we're in focus. <laughs> and we do that at 6 o'clock. Then we rewind the reels. And our shows start at 7.30. And depending on the film, you know, anywhere from an hour to three hours. <laughs> We, we project for the night. And then if we do have a digital show, then I'm actually able to sit and watch um, the film. But usually, if we are running film, you are focused and paying attention to every detail because film is fragile and you need to make sure that you're doing everything right. And we actually, our, our perspective when we project is that we are projecting the last living copy of this film. That's our mindset. So being careful and really mindful of making sure everything is just the way it's supposed to be because it could cause uh, unrepairable damage to the to the film. I think there's something interesting you said in there which is that unless it's digital you don't really sit there and actually watch it. That seems to be one of the misconceptions people have about projectionists. Is right. That you just get to go and watch movies all day. Yeah, right. So, yeah, we, we just go up to the booth and we hang out and, and watch movies. That is uh, the most common myth, I would say. We are busy running around, getting the next reel ready, rewinding the reel that just finished, getting that ready. And it has to be wound a certain way according to the inspection guidelines on where the film is going next. Is it being shipped out? Is it staying here at George Eastman Museum? 
there's a lot of that going on. We're always checking the focus. We're always making sure the, the film is going the right way, watching the reel. I always say you have to have a little calm anxiety the minute you start thinking that you've got everything and you know everything. <laughs> That's when to worry. <laughs> you need to go always double-checking everything. So what's one of your favorite parts of working here and doing this? Mm-hmm. Well... I would have to say the contribution to the community. I feel like this is sort of my, well, this is my second career and I'm 57. So from here out, I want to make whatever I do for a living to be something that contributes to the community. And in film preservation, the most important part is the exhibition of the film and the community sharing of a film, a community experience of a film being projected. I love that part of it, that I get to be a part of the show and make that happen. It doesn't do us any good to save a film if we're just going to hide it away in a vault. What would your advice be to somebody who wants to get involved in this line of work and become a projectionist? Well, what I did, because I had no, I had some experience in film, I was primarily in my career a video editor and creative services person in television production. So I didn't really have any film experience. I did have a degree from RIT in still photography back when nothing was digital. So that was my film experience. I had a fine art degree from RIT in photography. I love movies. I love art. Uh, I am a photographer, obviously. But I didn't have any, I would say, any film experience or preservation experience. What I did and what I always recommend to people is if you're... If you, like, I had a laser focus on what I wanted to do. I wanted to be in the Selznick School, so I just started doing things that put me in that direction. I got a job at the Little Theater doing popcorn. That's not film, per se, but it's moving in the right direction. I started volunteering with Nancy Kaufman in the Moving Image Department in the Stills Posters uh, collection, just doing data entry. I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't touching any film still, but I was getting a, a vibe of, the place and and what the work was like and then I volunteered for I found a woman in Rochester who does film and photographic preservation and I contacted made a connection with her and just said can I come work for you for free and my recommendation would be just to build on any kind of experience you can get even if you're not getting paid well or at all and that that really helps if you if you know this is what you want to do then just find a way and it'll happen. When I came to the Selznick School, we had to pick a personal project and only one person could do a personal project on projection. And I knew one of my classmates from Germany really, really wanted to take that project. So I said, I'll let her do it and I'll do something else. I've already, by then I had become a projectionist at the Little Theater. So see, scooping popcorn wasn't such a bad idea to get your foot in the door. And um, and then my supervisor, Spencer Cristiano, who's the head projectionist, came to me and said, would you be interested in a position here as a part-time projectionist? This was school was halfway through, and I was just amazed and so excited. Was, of course. So Spencer allowed Yulia and myself to both do the personal project on projection, and that's how, that's how I learned. And then by the time school was over, I was projecting solo. <laughs> But it took, I mean, it's, I literally have a, still have a checklist that I take with me into the projection booth because there's so many things to remember that, like I was saying, 
we have to treat this film like it's the last one on earth and any missteps can create a bad show or damage the film and I still live by this checklist because it's not it's not an easy job and it's a little nerve-wracking the best projectionist is the one no one thinks about (laughs) Um, the minute something goes wrong all of a sudden everyone knows there's a projectionist so what's the favorite film or event that you've attended since you've been going to school here and working here I would have to say really the biggest awareness or interesting part of film history that I really didn't know much about was the era of silent film. You know, like most people, they think, you know, it's just that jumpy, goofy, goes too fast stuff with no dialogue. But really, there's much more of an art to it. Uh, Silent films were never silent. They always had musical accompaniment. And when they wanted to introduce sound into film, there was a, a big push against it because it was an exhibition of film that could be enjoyed by anyone. There was no language. Um, and so it could be shared with everyone. I mean, granted, there was English intertitles within the film that may have been in English, but or in other countries, obviously not. But when they wanted to introduce dialogue, people thought that was the silliest idea. Now we think, why would you not <laughs> dialogue? So the transition of the art of silent film into the talkies is interesting. Um, the history of projectionists, I really love. Like, why would any... First of all, it's a very male-dominated field. So back in the day when projectionists started, they were literally in the audience. They were part of the show. The projector was part of the show because it, it was this amazing magic trick of machinery. Back then, the film was made with nitrate. It's highly combustible. It was dangerous. The pay wasn't great. You had carbon arcs for light sources, and that was uh, carcinogenic. Projections were dying in the booth, literally, from, from fires. So it really intrigued me what kind of person wants to be a projectionist. And it's, and I went into the history of uh, International Projectionist Magazine down in the library here at Eastman Museum and just found all these great stories about projectionists because they were born in the late 1800s. They were just completely mesmerized with movies, and that's all I wanted to do because it was just so amazing. It is. It's a. It's a one big magic trick. It's a trick on your eyes, a trick on your brain, and yeah, the history of projection is is really fascinating to me. And why would why what intrigued people, men, to be projectionists back then when it was so dangerous? I love it. I love the the mechanics of it, the the gadgets of it. A projector is sort of a cross between a sewing machine and a clock. It's very precise. Um, the gears and everything all have to work in sync, and it's just fascinating. And the fact that you have this little tiny image and a light that's so strong it can be thrown onto a screen that big, I just think is really cool. If we did a talent show, what would you do? <laughs> I would run the camera. I would go, <laughs> I would go behind the camera. No dancing or singing. When you're not at the museum, where's your favorite place to go? I like hanging out with my kids, uh, being home, pretty much a homebody. When I'm not there, I'm at the movies, big surprise, biking at the gym, going to a concert, but mostly hanging out with the kids. How do you feel about garbage plates? I have never had one. I think I'm going to try a vegan version or a 
vegetarian version one day, but never, one of those things I just never, never tried. How do you cope with the Rochester weather, either our crazy hot summer or our incredibly long winters? Winters, I uh, downhill ski, so that helps. I actually don't mind winter, as long as there's snow, I think it's very beautiful. The hardest time of year for me is March and April, when you want so much for spring to come and then you get a snowstorm. Um, that That's the most... I don't leave town. A lot of people go to Florida. Um, I don't go because coming back is just too painful. <laughs> so I go to Florida in June. When I come back, everything's still warm here. What's your favorite thing to eat in the cafe? My favorite thing in the cafe is the harvest salad, the hummus wrap, and an occasional chocolate chip cookie. Great. Well, that's all the questions that we have for today. So thank thank you. you so much for doing this. Thank you.